Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is TJ Studer. He is Chief Executive Officer at Holistic Wellness. We're going to learn about what they're doing in the cannabis space, learn a little bit more about TJ. I always love you know these conversations when we're looking at really building brands and where the industry is going. I think that you know cannabis is under such a lot of change, a lot of great opportunities, but also there's a lot of challenges for companies. So I'm really kind of interested in talking about strategy and kind of approaches to this. And I think TJ and, and Holistic have some interesting ones. So with that, TJ, welcome to the program. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Excited to chat. Yeah. So why don't we start with background? I always love hearing people's stories, how they got into cannabis, what they were doing before cannabis. But, but give us your story. How did this play out professionally? What was your background? And then tell us how cannabis came into play. Awesome. I started my career at Procter & Gamble, really spending over a decade with the big guys, yeah. um, taking away one key insight from all that they do and the phenomenal brands that they're able to put together, which is the credibility and insight of that brand to touch a consumer's life and the importance in a consumer's life when they make that purchase decision at the store. It's much bigger than a one-off. It's much bigger than wanting to try a product and really learned a lot around that and how you build a brand and how you uh, build that kind of connection with your consumer. 
I left P&G in 2017 with a mission of starting a smaller brand that I could have a bigger impact on versus the mass portfolio that they have. At no point did I think that was cannabis and didn't really, though I'm a longtime <laughs> supporter, I didn't believe it was a career opportunity or the scale that it's become. However, I ran into a very personal situation, which I can't tell the details of because of the FDA today. But my mom needed to see a light towards trying these products in her life and finding her way to wellness. And when I saw her reaction, when I suggested them that she thought it was one of the worst drugs known to man, I knew there was something like P&G in those credible brands that was needed to convince her otherwise. So long story short, I went out over a six-month exploration of answering a lot of her personal questions about the products um, and ran into success at the end when I finally convinced her that it was worthwhile trying What I learned in that is that it was going to take a lot of work to break the stigma in the back of many people's minds around this plant. And I think that's best done by a compelling, approachable brand that educates you across every step of the way and then delivers on that first moment of truth experience when you try the product. So this was the birth of Holistic. As cliche as it might sound, it was for my mom. And really, personally, (laughs) she needed to see a way there. And I see a lot of consumers struggling with these millions of questions around this plant and how to try it for the first time and then eventually incorporate into their life. Yeah. And what's your, I guess, what's your take on where we are in that transition? You know, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, it was the devil's lettuce, you know, and now it's, you know, becoming the latest kind of wellness, fitness supplement kind of option out there in the market now. I mean, are we are we still at the beginning of this? Have we really kind of made significant progress? I mean, where do you think we are in terms of really kind of adopting cannabis more broadly as a general consumer market? Great question. I think I think it's a very long journey that we've kind of entered the curiosity phase where people have understood that the mass downsides and the stigma are are not as true as they expected and they're curious of what the upsides could be however the sea of products available and information coming out on the daily basis makes it very difficult for a consumer to figure out the right direction to go so i think the upside is massive and continuing to drive that education around not only a difference of hemp and marijuana for example but starting to get into the myriad of cannabinoids Um, and how they can impact your day. And really the more advanced versions of what the plant has to offer is really the next 10 years that we're going to look at innovation and and how we get consumers to understand the perfect blend for them. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting because I think I would say the brand in most cases has really been these cultivars, right? And it's about, well, you know, what have you tried cookies and cream? And if you, you know, it's kind of this, it's a, a very product kind of, brand or that's what people talk about or at least what I see you know listed and and kind of the categories in the taxonomy like as we move to more of a real developed kind of market and these consumer brands kind of coming to play how do you see that playing out right how how do you see the shift or or how do you think that's going to play out in terms of the market in terms of segmentation and stuff I'm just the, the whole branding process is fascinating to me and how a brand develops and, and how a market develops around it That's another great question. I think I love to think of the shopper first. And again, I I continually use my mom walking into her, Mm -hmm. you know, weekly drugstore or grocery store. And let's use a really elementary example of when she's hungry, she knows she wants to buy eggs. And when she buys eggs, she knows what those deliver. She knows how full she's going to get. And it's a very simple decision of do I want farm raised? Do I want non-farm raised? You know, she knows all of the criteria 
of buying eggs. Why, when we enter cannabis, is it a kind of black box of, as you said, cookies and cream, Girl Scout cookies, Skittles, words that mean nothing to the consumer versus focused ingredients and benefits that they can start to understand why they're buying that product. So I think over the next few years, you'll see a very CBD destination focus. So i.e., you have to go to a CBD section to find the products. Mm-hmm. And then as we move forward, I think you'll start to see these products across all sections in the store as they start to find their right place. And really, it's a difference versus other like products as opposed to a completely separate category from the rest of the consumer goods there. Yeah. And I'm curious, I always love kind of talking about this for folks that are coming out of highly developed, highly, you know, mature industries, you know, going from consumer goods, you know, packaged goods kind of world into cannabis. I'm curious which things you've been able to kind of transfer successfully, which things didn't transfer so successfully. And then like, what were things that you just didn't even anticipate? Like uh, just, you know, you didn't realize until you got into the business, like, oh my gosh, I have to figure this out and that out. And I have no idea how these things work. What was your learning process like? That's great. I think the standard sourcing process is probably the key that needs to be transitioned from other categories. And really, what tests do you do? Where do you find your sources? Um, How do you vet a supplier, et cetera, are questions that should be the same across anything you put in, in or on your body. So those were some easy ones for us that we kind of see forward as people await FDA regulations and some of the more detailed procedures for how these products have come to market. We believe that they already exist as you look at parallel consumer goods, supplements, uh, OTC products on the shelf today. So really applying as much of that knowledge as possible and really personally, what would I want to put in my body or my mom's body seems to be a pretty easy question there. On the other end of the spectrum, I think the education and marketing side of how you build a brand has been an incredibly difficult journey. Number one is claims. We all see the benefits and we hear the consumer examples of what the products do, yet the regulatory environment around claims is very difficult. Um, So you can't exactly tell the consumer straightforward what the product is for as much as try to give them as much information as you're legally allowed um, and then letting them fill some of those gaps together. Additionally, some of the more traditional brand building elements, I mean, I use the simple example of I'd love to give a sample in store is difficult today because of some of the the new regulatory environment and getting there up to things like Facebook and Google, which are slow to the table of letting us uh, spend traditionally there. So it's been reaching that consumer has been a different journey from what we're used to in traditional tools. However, not one that's uh, not able to be overcome. And I think that consumer demand and consumer excitement really help a lot in those areas as they look for the information. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about holistic wellness. What, where have you chosen to focus? How did you choose that focus? I mean, as uh, I'm always curious about strategy, and it's a lot of opportunities, a big market. You can make a lot of different plays in cannabis right now. How did you decide to kind of focus on what you're focusing on and what was the decision process like? Definitely. But get it started with the consumer. So I think that's the most important part is filling a need. And I told my story, my backstory importantly, because today we're in in a world of the green rush, that demand is high, the forecasts are even higher, and everybody and their mother is making a CBD product. However, (laughs) for my mother, I knew that was the wrong answer. She didn't need another tincture to choose between the list of 50 that are available on shelf. She needed something new, innovative that spoke to her. So Holistic was born first as a brand, and really you'll see the approachability of our colors, our ingredients, and our story that are meant to bring her to our section of the store. 
i.e. divert her standard shopping routine. Secondly is convenience, and it really needs to fit into your everyday when you need it. So we have a very unique delivery device uh, that we call a beverage stir stick, which has one dose or one serving uh, of holistic wellness in one stick and allows you to always carry that with you. That was really important from a shopper standpoint as it's you'd love to have one in your purse, your wallet, uh, your pocket for when you need it in that moment of the day. So it's always on hand as opposed to large monthly doses. And then it speaks to the next most important quality we came up with is trial. There's so many SKUs, as I said, out there, so many types of product. And at the end of the day, the consumer is saying, what is this and why should I try it? Is it going to hurt me? Is it safe? A lot of these key questions that make you not want to spend a lot of money on your first time trial. So we offer one stick at the point of sale that we sell to a consumer to try for the first time. Know that it's going to taste good. Know that it's going to work for them. All of these key questions as they get into that purchase procedure, really allowing them to feel comfortable with our product. And then we sell the larger sizes, obviously, after you've learned that those work for you. So I think between that of, of trial, approachability, and education really helped that new consumer journey of there's not so many questions to answer before the first trial. And then we can kind of guide them along that, that path after they've had one stick. So I get super excited about those differentiation versus a category that's filled with very high price points and really not enough information for her to make that choice. Yeah, I love the fact that you've sort of productized the trial, you know, the sort of the, the trial mentality right into things. Like it is, it's a single serving. It's really easy to, like, I don't have to figure out my dosage. I don't have to like, you know, there's very little decisions. <laughs> like, and I'm curious how, like, why the, you know, kind of the form factor or the going with the, I mean, so there's a, it's a powder, water-soluble kind of product where I can, I can basically put it in anything. Well, why that approach, I guess? Because so many, I see so many CBD and uh, other cannabis brands, which is the product, you know, so much of the design is in the product makeup, whether it's chocolates or gummies or, uh, you know, things like that, where that is the product. In this case, you're kind of, it, it's like we're productless or we're, you know, you can add it to anything you want. Why, why that approach? I think it's, it's interesting to look at the amount of products as you, as you kind of name a few. And the first byproduct of cannabis is the oil, which I think many have had the experience of you could actually make it at home pretty easily by pressing the oil out of a fresh cannabis bud. So most products start from that base oil called a distillate or a crude oil. And the challenge with those, and I'll use an example of THC because I'm sure everybody knows somebody that's tried an edible and told a terrible experience of yeah. a day later when they're groggy and can't get out of bed. The base science, and I'll caveat this with I'm a marketing guy and we hire better scientists to do the details, <laughs> um, an oil goes all the way to your stomach and your body has to identify those active cannabinoids and bring them into your system, getting to your bloodstream. That's why often it'll take at least 30 minutes, if not an hour or two, for an edible to kick in. That yeah. is not the consumer experience you're looking for when you need immediate benefit. So number one for us was efficacy and efficiency for that consumer that when they grab for a stick, they're going to feel the benefits and water soluble allows those active cannabinoids to get into your bloodstream faster than the oil. So what yeah. we hear with consumers and we very conservatively tell them you should feel the effects in 15 to 30 minutes with consumers telling us they're feeling it as quick as five. 
I think that's yeah. another vital portion of trial because no one has time to wait in this day and age now yeah. or plan ahead to take something when you think you're going to have a bad night's sleep or are stressed in the afternoon. So I think yeah. that's been really important on top of the convenience factor. As you said, it's nice to not have to carry a whole bottle of water in your purse. You can just carry one or even two sticks for when you need yeah. them. So you can just pop it into whatever, whatever you're drinking. And we're all yeah. drinking all the way through the day. Yeah. And and I know you've got a couple of different, um, you know, products that are focused on different kind of benefits. How, how did you kind of zero in on kind of the benefits you wanted to create or the, the situations you wanted to kind of uh, address in terms of why someone would want to use the product? The list of potential benefits of cannabinoids grows every single day by yeah. numbers I can't even count. It's, it's almost a purchase barrier because I guess the old snake oil theory that if it works for everything, it probably doesn't work for anything. Yeah. What we've done is we've made very simple formula cards leveraging other natural ingredients that consumers know and love to target the key areas that people are using CBD. So, for example, we have stress, sleep, recover, digest, and beauty. And if you search any of those words on Google with the natural natural compounds to take to uh, help with those different ailments or benefits, you'll find our next ingredient. So, for example, in sleep, there's melatonin and chamomile. Stress has lemon balm. Recover, ginger and turmeric. They're, they're household known items that people are already probably taking set next to CBD wellness, that core ingredient um, that really makes it holistic wellness. Yeah, I love it. I mean, just get your, it's really kind of blending what we other herbal kind of, you know, factors or other herbal elements that we know help these conditions and then adding CBD to it to create, you know, a more holistic solution. Interesting. Um, and in terms of, I mean, tell us about the the design packaging, because I, I find so much of this branding now is, you know, everything from, you know, how it's going to appear to the consumer to, you know, how much does it cost? How is it going to sit on the shelf? How does it store? I mean, there's there's so much that goes into the packaging side of this stuff these days. How have you kind of gone through that? Uh, tell me about that process. Definitely. Well, first we went through it, which I think is important, and I push all competitors to do so. I struggle with the, you said it earlier, on CBD is easy to sell today. And we see that on the shelf. You see whites, browns, blacks, and a sea of kind of no personality that we're selling hemp. We felt that's not reaching out to, again, my mom walking through a store looking for her eggs and Kleenex. She's looking, she needs to be wowed and really knock her socks off at that point of sale for her to look further in to what this product is. So we felt the bright colors, the approachability from a distance were important for the category to really get her attention. This is a big moment in time that a new product is entering the store, but it needs to look that way from a distance. Secondly is merchandising and really shopability for a consumer to walk up to your shelf, understand what your brand stands for, decide which one they want to choose. And then obviously, as you said, make it priced right. So it's within their range of their grocery basket. Lastly is that $4.99 to $5.99 single stick price point. That is an easy basket ad for anyone. You're going in to spend 20 bucks. It's tough to ask for a whole $20 on your first trial purchase because it might take up your whole grocery bill. However, if I'm spending 20 and you tell me it's five, it's an easy add into my basket and my water bottle. It's much easier to get over that purchase barrier. 
So I think as you think of those different brand fundamentals of how a consumer meets your brand for the first time, how they play with your brand as they decide if they want to purchase it, and then obviously that purchase point um, are cu- crucial to think about. Yeah, I'm curious on kind of the research and development side, like how, because I, mean, I, I know that making a water-soluble cannabis product can be a little challenging just because you're dealing you know, primarily with an oil-based you know, extract. How, what was the process like? Were you able to find a solution pretty quickly? Did it take a while to kind of find something that was stable, easy to make, cost-effective, you know, easy to dissolve, you know, actually worked in, from the consumer point of view? Tell me about that process. Awesome. I'm going to back up just a little bit to our plants because that's an important starting material. Sure. Our farm is a greenhouse, which is unique in the hemp industry. We grow actually our plants to the standards of California, Colorado, whatever legal cannabis THC market. We grow to their standards because we felt it was really important that the plant is clean from seed to stick. What that means is we do not grow (laughs) in soil. We grow in crushed coconut. So meaning any of the arsenic or heavy metals found in the soil across the world never enter our plants. And then additionally, they're in a controlled greenhouse. So any pollutants in the air would never get into our plants. This is vitally important up front because hemp is a biological sponge. It literally takes everything out of the soil and everything out of the air and in turn will be in the oil that you take from that plant. When you take an oil from a plant, you concentrate everything in it. For example, our CBD is 15% in our plants. We concentrate it up to a 75 to 80% concentrate in our oil, which means if there was one tiny, 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 tiny bit of arsenic in there, it would also be amplified at the same percentage. That for me was a no-go from the beginning. And we said we'd make the choice that we know where every single one of our plants come from. So this is the commitment we have made to the consumer. And I tell that story because our water-soluble technology is actually outsourced. It is a moving technology that I think around the world, I've met about 20 top groups that are working to continually improve this science. And it's not just for cannabis. It's for, you know, NASA programs to grow on Mars. It's for uh, supplement programs across all, all of your grocery aisle and beyond. So we've kind of vetted them on a continuous basis to find the best water soluble that delivers against that consumer's needs and efficacy and efficiency. So as yeah. I ask your question, I'd say it was not easy and it continues not to be easy because that's the most important part is the deliver the final delivery to the consumer and that it works for them, which we want to continue to improve over time as that science improves. However, yeah. I started with the plant because we make that commitment of what the input is and then the science can only improve from here. Yeah. I, I'm curious on the plant. I mean, I, the, the fact that you're growing in, you know, greenhouse raises, um, I mean, there's obviously cost implications. There is, you know, you get a lot of control, but like how have you kind of dialed that in or how have you played with kind of the technology or your approach to growing to really kind of make sure that you're developing the highest quality product, but also kind of managing the cost side of things? Definitely. And to your point, it's a choice we made in cost that's always going to be slightly higher than field-grown hemp. And for those listening that don't know, I mean, you can throw a a bag of hemp seeds into any field anywhere and they're going to grow. It's one of the, it's like the dandelions of plants that they're pretty easy to get something out of them. And then there is an extraction process that you take everything you cut down from the field and you really uh, basically run it through ethanol until you get out the key pieces you want. For us, it was, we want to start with a premium product up front, which Bruce, to your point, is is a cost concern. So 
Our farm is incredibly efficient, about as efficient as you're going to get from a greenhouse grow standpoint. The key differences there are, um, number one, it's run off a natural gas engine, which is done in a lot of places. However, the differentiator for us is that we take the output of that natural gas engine and we feed our plant CO2 with a proprietary technology at the farm. Additionally, that natural gas engine heats the entire farm, so and I'll get to kind of growing all four seasons, but that we don't need to be on the power grid at all, which is not only a cost help, but also a sustainability big play. We're actually producing enough power on the farm that we're able to sell back to the grid. Next is water. We use 95% less water than outdoor grown hemp, which is massive from, a, again, a sustainability standpoint, but also from a cost standpoint. Um, and then the last thing is we can actually grow four seasons a year because of the control in the greenhouse. So outdoor grown hemp is normally is, is one harvest a year, which puts a lot of risk on that harvest. So with that consistency and knowing that we're going to have a harvest up to four times a year, it helps offset some of those costs. And then again, I get down to, we're always going to pay more than that field-grown hemp. However, we feel it's important to make that commitment to the consumer. And then especially in this gray area of waiting for full FDA regulations, we're happy to walk a retailer directly into our farm and show that plant, which is a differentiator versus sourcing biomass on the open market. All of those combined, we felt was worth the increase in cost. And as we move forward, we think it could be required to have these kind of controls on where your where your plants are coming from. Yeah, and and talking about the marketing side, because I so as a CBD product, you are able to cross state lines. You're you know you've got full kind of national kind of capabilities here. But how what have you actually found in terms of being able to you know market, distribute, you know supply stores? What has been your strategy for actually go to consumer? How much of that is online? How much is retail stores? What's been your strategy there? Awesome. We're about 50-50 today, online versus retail. Our plans going forward will probably bring that number back down to about 20% e-com. We've built this for the future of retail and thinking traditional food, drug, and mass retailers, some of which have rolled out CBD products, however, only topicals. Getting a short answer to a probably a longer question, uh, the FDA regulations have been much clearer on topicals than supplements and ingestibles. However, we've seen at the point of sale that the supplements are outselling topicals massively. So those same retailers are excited for those regs to come so that they can roll out the full section and, and spectrum of CBD products. Uh, so we've been very patient awaiting those bigger, more traditional retailers to roll out in line with when FDA comes, which we think will be over the next two quarters. So really being careful with where we're distributed. I think the biggest challenge, and going back to my mom's shopper journey, is that over 75% of CBD products are being sold outside of traditional retailers, meaning dispensaries, CBD shops, head shops, etc., which obviously come with their own set of risks. There's a lot of great stores that are small, mom and pop owned that make the same vetting criteria as the big retailers. However, obviously the big retailers have a lot more capacity and experience in, in vetting suppliers and figuring out where those products are coming from, that there's some more traditional controls. So now we're excited for the future yeah. of those mainstream retailers coming in, but patiently awaiting them. So I'm curious on the uh, regulatory side, obviously we're in 
kind of funny regulatory situations. If I were to give you a magic wand (laughs) and change anything about the world right now in terms of, you know, cannabis and CBD and hemp regulation, what would you do and and why do you think it would be a good change to the market? I think the first change that needs to be made is actually in dosage and testing. They're two very easy regulations that we know will come um, and really how much are you allowed to put per dose or per pack and I'll speak on each of these. And then two, where do you have to test and provide testing results? On number one, I think the there's 50 milligram doses sitting on the shelf today, which is an excessive amount based on what we see. Um, you'll see everything from five milligram to 50 milligram. And for a consumer, it's really tough to understand which one is worth the dollars you're going to pay. And in some cases, again, when I go back to my water-soluble example, a smaller dose can be more effective if you're getting more of those active cannabinoids out of the dose. So really putting some regulatory environment around what you're allowed to put in a pack will help the consumer decide which one is best for them. Yeah. So I think that that'll help a lot. And then I think the testing piece is just... It's an expectation of a consumer that when you purchase something on a shelf, that it's been tested and it's safe for you. And I think that goes beyond even some of the things that the FDA puts onto packaging that consumers expect. If it's there, it's been tested. And with the amount of product being sold out of traditional retailers, often you'll go to the site and you'll find testing in progress or we haven't built this part of the site yet. And as a consumer, that's scary because the product is being sold to them. They're putting out the dollars and they're going to try it. Why can't I see those test results to know that there's no arsenic or heavy metals or other pesticides that might be present in that product? It should be a base requirement. Yeah. And why don't we have that right now? I mean, what's your, is this just the, the regulatory bodies have not had a chance to catch up? Is this, I mean, what, what's your kind of explanation or, or understanding of, of why we don't have these kind of things in place right now? It's a hard question to answer diplomatically, but I think there's there's a long chain of traditional healing <laughs> and where who owns what is considered a healing product versus natural products. And I think hemp and CBD and cannabis and really all mix have been lost between stigma, drug, Department of Justice i.e. you go to jail for having it, and now being considered one of the biggest growth wellness products that people want of all ages, all demographics. And it's it has some of that stigma and regulation still as a drug, similar to, to other drugs we know well that are being cleaned up, and it's really getting over to the FDA as a new product. That said, I can't fully answer rational reason why this plant is any different from another and then again, coming from a you know PMG more traditional goods history, when you source a product, there's very clear regulations on you know how much arsenic is it is safe um, and generally accepted as safe. Why can't I look that up on this product? So I think it's a good question and one we need to keep pushing for because it's another plant and one that people are consuming more and more each day. Yeah, TJ, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Holistic, what's the best way to get that information? Excellent. Our website is the home of everything. It's holistic with a K, wellness.com. And then always welcome to reach out to info at holisticwellness.com. Remember, holistic with a K. Um, And I'm normally around or one of my team will certainly reach out. We love having conversation and big things ahead over the next 12 months. Thanks so much for having me, Bruce. Thank you. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes here so people can get the right links and they'll click through, get that information. Thank you so much for taking the time today, TJ. Great conversation, great insights. I love the product. Uh, looking forward to keeping in touch. Cool. Appreciate it, Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. 
To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.